Issue number 18 of The Infinite Backlog, a chronological tour of the best and most noteworthy Marvel comics. I'm Andy, and with me are my co-hosts, Shane. Hi. And Rory. Hello. And today is a little bit of a different day. We are finished with the 60s, and we wanted to do another sort of like vaguely catch-up week, plus kind of uh, we've all had our own little separate assigned reading and we wanted to talk about the decade as a whole. Oh, Andy, Andy, wait. What? What? Is that is our theme we're in a classroom giving book reports? Do we have a theme this week? <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't like a theme that takes me back to to times in my life that I hated. Uh because I hated book reports <laughs> so goddamn much. I don't I didn't like assigned reading for class cuz I don't like reading books. I don't like reading books for class. I like reading books to read a book. And it just takes all the fun and enjoyment out of it when I know I'm going to have to, like, talk about it and analyze it later in class. Mm-hmm. That's the fun mm-hmm. part. That's oh, the God, reason you read no. a book. No. I have, a, uh, I, have, I have two degrees in book reports. I, <laughs> <laughs> I have my master's really, in book reports. He really does. <laughs> I, but I, I feel like, and this could just be me, I think it's a conspiracy. I think teachers don't actually read books. I think oh. they make the children read the book because they have a secret teacher book report that they have to do. <laughs> <laughs> to the teacher's teacher, to the principal. Yeah. yeah, they have to give book reports to the principal and they're like, Hold on. I didn't read all these books. <laughs> Hold on. After class every day, after school is over and the bell rings and all the kids leave the school, do the teachers all then congregate in one room and now it's teacher class and the principal's the teacher? Yes. Is that what night school is? <laughs> 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 and then they have to do book reports and and that's why they want all their kids to do well in school because if the kids do well in their book reports then they know more about the then book they, they were supposed do to good read at night school yeah 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 <laughs> then they're good at night school because <laughs> secretly the student is the teacher secretly mm-hmm. oh man we had the power the whole time we had no idea oh no this really recontextualizes book reports for me <laughs> <laughs> uh so okay, so who does I, I don't I don't know how much they weren't the the stuff that we read for this week, I didn't have it as assigned reading for anybody wanting to follow along necessarily because I didn't know if it was gonna be any good because it wasn't on our initial list and the list is not God or anything, but mm-hmm. it wasn't on the list and it was just kind of like some things that I found through searching on the internet is like, oh, those might be interesting to look at. Uh did anyone find any good gems? Like was there anything worthwhile? It's tricky. I, I feel like yeah, I have to give a qualified yes. It's mm. it's as good as anything else we've been reading, disregarding the the few really you know the the, the gems we've found ourselves uh, previously. Like this is on par with the middle of the road. Sure, and and you read you read a few X Men issues, right? Yeah, yeah. They're as they're as worth reading as a random as random Spider Man or you know random sure. Thor. 
And Shane, what were you? I've already forgotten what you read. <laughs> I, I read Spider-Man. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I actually really liked it. Like, except except for Andy assigned me this Spider-Man annual. <laughs> and as much, I, you know, I just love annuals so much. But the cover is <laughs> the cover is literally like 41 pages of Spider-Man fighting Johnny Storm. And I was like, why would you do this to me? <laughs> like, literally, why would you do this to me? Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, uh, it was, it was interesting. My two regular comics were really good. I had a person die, like a character dies. Whoa. Who died? And like the rise of the kingpin. Um, the, oh my God, what is his name? Foswell. Foswell dies. Whoa. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Does, does, does kingpin kill Foswell? Actually, did we see that? Cause like, cause I sent, I gave, I, I thought it would be interesting if we followed after that kingpin issue that we read that, that one where, where Spider-Man thought about quitting or whatever. Yeah. And no. So so yeah. pretty much like um like Kingpin rises to power because he thinks Spider-Man's gone, right? Yeah. And so Kingpin rises to power and Foswell goes to work for Kingpin, but Kingpin's like I don't trust you. And so at one point Foswell breaks out and Kingpin has um abducted J Jonah Jameson too because he's he's writing all this ridiculous stuff about him and he's trying to tell everyone he's a bad guy, right? Mm-hmm. And they're like we have to silence J Jonah. And so they end up like Tying Spider-Man and J. Jonah together in like a chamber that's filling up with water and Spider-Man oh, uses fun. web. Spider-Man uses his web to make like a bubble of air so they can survive. <laughs> right. And ridiculous. And then as they're escaping, J. Jonah and Foswell run into each other and Foswell's like, don't worry, J. Jonah, I'll save you because we're friends. And so they're running through the sewers together and then they get a they get like jumped by these henchmen and Foswell jumps in front of a bullet for J. Jonah. What? Yeah, and dies in his arms. Oh yeah, Foswell dies for for Jameson. Yeah. Oh yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> the the magical the magical capitalist who gave a, an ex con a job deserves me throwing my life down for him. <laughs> yep. I fucking yep. love that. That's great. That's great. Yeah. Actually, that's sad because now Patch Foswell Patch the big man, whatever you want to call him, mm-hmm. he's uh, he's dead. He's gone. Damn. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty good. I mean, and then the annual was just like a Mysterio and the wizard team up to make a fake movie set to dupe both the torch and Spider-Man. Okay. See, that's kind of why I thought the annual might be fun because it was like you had Johnny and, and, uh, and Spider-Man and they're both fun and, and hot depending on the artist. (laughs) And, uh, and then you had, uh, yeah, very funny. And then I thought maybe Mysterio might be a fun villain. I wasn't really I didn't look into it too hard, but but Mis- but Mysterio doesn't have any time to be a fun villain, which is the problem. Like mm. it, it it's mostly the wizard flying around with his levitation discs as Johnny Storm. And then he <laughs> he pretends that he's going crazy on the set of this fake movie that they've set up because he has uh. so much money to just make a fake movie set. Um, And basically, Mysterio was in charge of like the special effects of the suit. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. There was uh, no t- there was no time. And eh, what are you gonna do? Yeah, exactly. The regular the regular issues were actually super good. Nice. <laughs> if I if I hadn't like made this clear yet, the the idea was kind of like we finished the list for the '60s. We're gonna start the '70s next week. And in the middle, I thought maybe we could check out a few things that maybe we missed, like some some issues. Like we had expressed interest. Shane had expressed interest in reading more Spider Man. And uh, and Rory obviously wanted to check in on his boys, the X-Men, the very the very good friends, those little those those wonderful <laughs> teens who live in the old the man's good house. Friends. 
<laughs> and I don't know. I kind of gave myself the 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 weird the weird slate. So I went and I checked out uh, a bunch. Like I looked at, I skimmed through like five different issues of uh, character introductions that we hadn't added to the list. So I went mm-hmm. and I saw when like the first issues of Black Widow and Hawkeye and Vision and the Falcon and. None of it was worth my attention, even like a little bit. <laughs> and I don't I don't know. I mean, we've talked about Tales of Suspense before. The Iron Man title is just where fun goes to die. Uh, I don't know. I don't know why Iron Man is so bad in the 60s or why they like con- or why someone was theoretically into it enough that they made so much of it. But uh <laughs> I, I don't know. Black Widow herself is about what you would expect. She's a it, there's there's literally I'm not even going to joke with you. They're literally Boris and Natasha when we meet them <laughs> because her name is Natasha and she gets paired up with this big Russian strongman named Boris. And oh no, I, I can tell you that I read the whole issue and it took me like an hour later to think back on it and go, oh, God, Boris and Natasha. Um but it was it was so dumb. She's sent to, you know, be the 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 secret agent type thing. And then she fails in her mission. And then she's kind of on the run because she's not sure whether or not the the Russians are going to kill her for failing. And I don't know. It's it's kind of it's kind of by the book. Uh, there were there were a few a few fun moments, I guess. There's <laughs> Boris. Boris gets no time. But there's a moment where Boris is. uh He's like they're talking to their their commanding officer and he's like he's like Boris come here walk around the desk I want to show you something and Boris is like walk around Boris doesn't walk around beauty obstacles and then he picks up the desk and throws it over to the other side of the room <laughs> <laughs> and so like I appreciated Same. a few of the moments in it but uh but yeah they were kind of pointless I'm not even going to bother talking about the the vision and and Falcon. Falcon was was cool, I guess, because Falcon is officially the first black hero in comics. But his intro issue is pretty boring. Uh it's kind of it's a Captain America thing. They're on this like Caribbean island that like the Nazis have escaped to and Sam is like crash landed there too and he's been living there for a little bit and I don't know. They team up and fight some Nazis. This is this is right during that that Red Skull Captain America body swap thing that we were talking about the other week with. Uh, oh with, God, that's right. Yeah. Uh, so like, okay. so the whole time Captain America is Red Skull. Uh, so he's in Red Skull's body, but he like he like does some sort of weird. He's like, ah, thank goodness I have all this like like combat training on how to use clay to to make myself look different (laughs) somehow he puts a bunch of clay on his face and looks like a normal man (laughs) oh yes yeah so it's really weird it's like a captain america issue where he meets the falcon except captain america is red skull with a different man's face made of clay on him and uh yeah so that's that's a very odd situation definitely not worth anyone's time and i don't feel bad about uh not having my particular issues as assigned reading Tell me about the Juggernaut thing, because I, I think you had a, the Juggernaut two-parter, right? I had the Juggernaut two-parter. It is his uh, Xavier's uh, evil stepbrother, Kane, who uh, they have a sort of a pretty silly backstory. <laughs> and um, it, it, it's funny because the pacing of the of the issue is really cool, but the, the, the I guess the narrative device that they... It really hurts the stakes. So basically, the the juggernaut has has reappeared. He's he, uh, uh, Xavier gets a weird 
a weird buzz on Cerebro and knows that, you know, uh, only one person is strong enough to make Cerebro go bonkers like that. Mm-hmm. Even though they, it's, 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 it's pretty weak here because, uh, at the moment, uh, Juggernaut is not a mutant. Uh, he oh. has, he, oh, they, yeah, he's, uh, uh, have I not mentioned yet the bands of Sidorak? Uh, where uh, whoa, the Crimson Bands of Sidorak and the Crimson Bands of Sidorak during the real Korean War, where Kane and Professor X were <laughs> both enlisted to fight the Koreans together, even though they've hated each other their whole lives. Then uh-huh. they go to they they both sign up to fight in the Korean War, and Kane finds a cave with a temple in it, and. Uh, it turns him into the juggernaut. <laughs> he, he steals he steals a ruby and becomes the juggernaut. Wow. Nice. It's it's kind of it's kind of bonkers and and then because uh, Professor X has now realized he's he's a mutant. He he, uh, he can, you know, read minds and shit and he's like, "Oh, this guy's this guy's bad news." And then for some reason the temple starts collapsing <laughs> and uh Professor X so he realizes that the juggernaut is like a force of nature is not just a dude. Uh-huh. <laughs> I guess for some of the brainwaves, the brainwaves, he, he, he was able to discern that. Anyway, as the temple starts collapsing, he's just like, well, I guess I'll just leave him under this mountain in Korea and that probably will <laughs> buy me some time at least. Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, so that's where he's been. Uh, juggernauts, the whole time, the whole first issue, the juggernauts just come. <laughs> and, and Professor X will open up the uh, Cerebro and the noise is, you know, still going bonkers. And he's like, ah, Juggernaut's still coming. <laughs> but it's kind of neat that the whole issue doesn't, like, fall into a, a fight scene. They've they've mm. sort of set up a bunch of a bunch of uh, Home Alone-style perimeter defenses. Uh, and the Juggernaut just, like, sort of slowly trudges through them. <laughs> and, as, and as the defenses sort of slow him or buy them time, he, uh, Professor X sort of interlaces that his uh his tail is tale of woe with his with uh, his nasty sure. stepbrother mm-hmm. like i said the the device is kind of odd because i'm still coming uh, everybody's yeah everybody's like this guy seems like real bad news professor maybe we should be doing something and he's like i nah. i want to tell the story though story i'm in the though. middle of the story <laughs> he's like nah, i don't know that's interesting. I had no idea that Juggernaut's origins were wrapped up in like weird Doctor Strange mystical artifacts. Like, I am sure that in uh, post in later retcons, he's a mutant. And okay. even in the uh, even in this comic, they sort of ham handedly lump him in as a mutant, even though there's no way for him to be a mutant. And because uh, I just saw him pick up a ruby and <laughs> right. transform. <laughs> the Crimson Gem of Sidorak. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> by the Crimson Gem of Sidorak, by the hoary hosts of Hoggoth. Um, <laughs> now, is this is this the time where we all grade each other on our book reports? Or I think it's a check, check plus, check minus system. I think we should oh. grade the books we read with check, check plus, check minus. Okay, good, because then it's not about us and our, our performance. Yeah, yeah it's, it's not about <laughs> us. It's not about us being mean to each other at that point. I will I will go first and grade mine check minus. <laughs> um I guess uh, I'm I I like I said I'm I'm going check plus on you know with the qualifier. Great number there. This is not this is not the worst I've read for this show by a long shot and so it's even better than okay. So it feels it feels unfair to go mine check or check minus. Okay. Fair enough. Right. But 
it is not a you know must read uh, mm-hmm. or you're a bad person uh, <laughs> comic book. I I think I give mine a check plus two, and that way we bring Andy's grade up a little bit. <laughs> oh, okay, on the, on the on the curve. Thank you, thank you. Yeah. No, I think that uh, your there there was there was a little chance of Spider Man not being at least fun. I think. Yeah. Well, I I was worried I was worried going into it. Like I said, when I saw the cover that said like uh, 41 pages of this dude fighting this dude and there's fire, I was like, yeah. were there at least some pinups? Um, yeah. OK, so you want to talk about the pinups in the annual? I'll tell you about them real quick. I'll give you I'll, I will give you a super quick brief overview of what the pinups were. Tell me so, all about the pinups. So basically they went through they have this weird like coffee house that that the creators of the comic have designed because they there's a page where they're like we really wish we had coffee right now so there's a whole two-page spread of a fake coffee house that they made where everyone is hanging out inside of it and they're all having a good time and all the ladies are all over flash because he's like a war he's like a war hero now oh Um, right because flash went off to fight that's right. Yeah, so so Gwen and um, Mary Jane are both hanging on Flash and Peter's being like a, a doucher over over in the corner. He's like, well, too bad he doesn't have a Spidey suit. Um, <laughs> but, then it, but then it literally it goes into like the in and, in and outs of Spider-Man's costume and his powers. Um, and then it talks about the versatility of his web and the different forms it can take and what he can do with it. And then it talks about his super strength and then it goes into a little bit about his villains. And the very last page is called a visit to, to Petey's pad and it goes into his apartment. Oh my God. And it's just, it's not good. <laughs> it's, it's, it's real bad. The apartment or the drawing of the apartment? The, the because both. I imagine, I imagine his apartment might be just like a real stinky teen apartment. Well, but it's like, it's, it's like a one bedroom. It looks like a one bedroom crash pad kind of. But it has those really hard, like early seventies vibes going on. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I mean, or, or, or mid sixties. I mean, because this is still the middle of the sixties. But like, the, the, they're like purples and greens, and he has this weird like bookshelf and these curtains that have roses on it, and then it opens up into his bedroom where it's all science stuff. There's no bed; it's just science stuff. <laughs> <laughs> He's turned his one bedroom into a, into a lab. Yeah, and then he has a closet where he keeps his 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 like Spider-Man costume is just hanging on the back of his closet door. It's the whole thing. <laughs> uh, did either of you guys have a chance to look at the couple panels I posted to the Wall of Shane? Yeah, hold on. Let me let me pull that up again. Yeah, so <laughs> when we got when we got here with the, <laughs> with Peter showing some midriff, which is fun. Got, yeah, that one's for me. Yeah, that's a good one. I like that they avoided the urge to give him like chiseled six pack and cum gutters. He's a little bit soft, but still nice. He -hmm. is a soft boy. He's my favorite soft boy. (laughs) But here's here's what Rory's here's what Rory's posted says. Meanwhile, at Professor Xavier's school for gifted youngsters, make them tighter, Bobby. The soft gauze construction prevents the bands from chafing. And who is that? Is that? Who's that's who's, Angel. who's Bobby? Warren. That's Angel. Warren. No, Bobby Warren. is Bobby Drake. Is Ice yeah. Man? Yeah, yeah. So Bobby, Bobby is tightening these weird bands that are like. I guess he's. It's like a corset for his wings, like so to hide his wings. Yeah. Is that right? He says, yes. "How do you stand it, Warren? It must feel like wearing a girdle." That may be, little friend, but it's better than giving away my identity to the human race. Ah, oh, if you ask me, no one would care even if they found out about us. Nobody asked you, Sonny. Just keep taping. <laughs> uh, yeah uh i i don't know i found it it's noteworthy. kind of intimate it's incredibly intimate he's like <laughs> t- 
taping down taping down Warren's wings and like I don't know it just uh, because of uh, some future future kerfuffling around uh, uh, the decision to make to make a time traveling Iceman gay. Yeah, seems like he's pretty gay. <laughs> I like I like it. I mean, it's kind of like it's kind of like uh, uh, the visuals of what's going on have something you know that remind me of like binding someone's breasts so that they don't you know what I mean like mm-hmm. like it has it has kind of a really personal nature to what's going on in these panels and yeah it's something that they focus on a lot more in the sixties uh, especially as a way of differentiating the X Men is that their their powers are not kind of hand waved away uh, their inconveniences in right. some capacity right sure. scott's got his uh scott's got his sunglasses uh we find out in one of these issues that i read beast can't really wear normal shoes because of, of his giant feet because of his big old because of his big old paddles yeah because he's a gay icon too <laughs> <laughs> just like uh what was the one what was the one for the inhumans god what was this what was this goddamn name i, I don't gorgon remember. was it gorgon, gorgon. From, oh, it was gorgon <laughs> from yep. the fucking inhumans so this big kicks <laughs> <laughs> but i actually wanted to i don't know have a, a a minor discussion about this because it it feels knowingly gay coded but maybe i'm wrong maybe it's just the 60s being silly and i'm overthinking yeah. it I don't know. I, well, I, it, if you look at if you look at sort of like the first panel where he's just like doing the act, they they totally could have left it there. But they they take it to the second panel where it's that is like an intimate pose of two humans. Yeah, that's not that's not like a, a person. He's not a tailor in this moment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's not that's like where his hands are placed on his shoulder. And like they both have that kind of closed eyed look of comfort yeah and and i I don't know if i'm reading too much into this but like there is something to the line that bobby says where he says nobody would care even if they found out about us and like i know he's talking about like the x-men being mutants but Mm -hmm. like i don't know in this context it kind of sounds like people find out about us like Bobby's talking about one thing, but Angel's talking about another thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah, baby. But that's why that's kind of what has made the X-Men sort of transcend its uh, its roots mm-hmm. where, the you know, the Fantastic Four is is not really, you know, it's uh, it's there's no there's no outsider cultures. It's, no, it's not where the X-Men, I think, at the very least, is open to that interpretation if it's if it's not deliberate. Yeah. Okay, here's a here's a conversation that I want to have. So we have not talked about this on the podcast yet, and it's kind of a central uh, thing about the 60s, about 60s comics and comics moving forward, which is the Comics Code Authority. Are you guys familiar with this? No. Yes, but I certainly uh, could use could use a little wiki summary. If you look at any of these issues, but maybe not not literally every issue that we've read for this uh, this comic has or for this podcast has uh, has the the logo on the front. There are like one or two that we read that didn't have the uh, the approval. But uh, the CCA is essentially like it's kind of like what the ESRB is for video games. It's like a third party non governmental agency that like rates things for content. You know, so it's sort it's sort of like the publishers rating their own thing. But the start like in nineteen fifty-four, they created this like list of criteria. And I normally you'd be like, okay, well, I guess we don't have to do any of these things. But I think there were a lot of issues with 
comic book stores not wanting to sell anything in their store that wasn't approved by the comic comics code authority. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think there was a like a pretty serious monetary incentive to abide by these sort of modesty laws. Yeah, these modesty laws. And it uh, it's really interesting. I don't necessarily need to read this whole thing, but I'm going to read a few of these to you. And, and it might kind of help explain some of the stuff that we've seen. Uh, we've got crimes shall never be presented in such a way so as to create sympathy for the criminal, to promote distrust of the forces of law and justice, or to inspire others with a desire to imitate criminals. Yeah. If crime is depicted, it shall be as a sordid and unpleasant activity. Policemen, judges, government officials, and respected institutions shall never be presented in such a way as to create disrespect for established authority. Criminals shall not be presented so as to be rendered glamorous or to occupy a position which creates a desire for emulation. Here, I'll jump ahead a couple. No comic magazine shall use the words horror or terror in its title. All scenes of horror, excessive bloodshed, gory or gruesome crimes, depravity, lust, sadism, masochism shall not be permitted. Um, There were a couple that I thought were really interesting. In every instance, good shall triumph over evil and the criminal punished for his misdeeds. It's just it's really fascinating to me to read these things and sort of go like, okay, so that doesn't necessarily seem like that big of a shackle. But like we can't ever not have the criminal punished at a certain point or like always good shall triumph over evil. Like it really leaves no room for any of the gray that definitely creeps in later in the in the in the the years. Totally. Yeah. I think it's really interesting. You know, I mean, obviously the rest of uh, the rest of them go into to areas that you would assume, right? Like nudity in any form is prohibited as is indecent or undue exposure. Sex perversion or any inference to same is strictly forbidden. Seduction and rape shall never be shown. Seduction. Yeah, no seduction. And it's an interesting it's an interesting pairing like uh-huh. <laughs> seduction and rape. OK, yeah. these two are equal. I get it. I'm a- <laughs> I know it's very odd. Oh, oh, this one's fun. Suggestive and salacious illustration or suggestive posture is unacceptable. I feel like they've been sneaking some in. <laughs> they've been sneaking a lot of suggestive <laughs> posture. <laughs> <laughs> but why, why I bring this up right now and why I think it's interesting is that we're about to jump into the 70s. And in, the, in 1971, my understanding is that they start making edits to the code because publishers didn't want to follow them anymore. Like not the specific, like some of these specifics and something that's not on our list right now that I think we really need to add in. I, I found this article today. Someone is uh, apparently in, in 1971, the department of health, education and welfare, uh, asked Stan Lee to do a story about the dangers of drug abuse and in Spider-Man he wrote like a three-part Spider-Man story about about drug abuse and apparently they they like fully flagged it for content on the on the comic authority and uh and so he published it anyway he was like hey guys can we just fucking publish this without the icon on the front and Marvel was like yeah why not fuck it and so they published <laughs> it and so like they kind of like Stan Lee kind of forced them to update certain things including uh having horror allowed but only like classic style horror um so uh so i'm checking in tomb of dracula for instance and tomb of dracula is only allowed now that they've changed the comic code because draculas were never okay (laughs) (laughs) draculas are just spooky for kids (laughs) (laughs) ain't got no draculas ain't got no frankensteins ain't got none of them werewolves 
Yeah, but it is an odd, it's odd, not only when we're starting getting into like sort of, or I guess away from blanket uh, content that they find uh, Im- immodest, um, mm-hmm. but into like genre and story structure. Like, it's just so clear that a writer had no involvement yeah. in picking these things. Like, <laughs> the hero will always triumph is odd because it's like, <laughs> you've we've got books and movies (laughs) plays like yeah this is an it's just an odd it's an odd limitation that feels in contrast to all the other narrative media yeah and i it's it really speaks to how much they were they were seeing these and i know uh, over the course of time this is generally proven to be true but like these were books for kids and you know it's that sort of moral panic about like what are we showing our children and I don't think that even in the late 60s, I don't think it was exclusively kids who were starting to read these. I don't think kids would have enjoyed uh, no. Silver Surfer nearly as much as we enjoyed Silver Surfer. You know what I mean? However, yes. Yeah. Um, it's not. But the the, the, the modesty uh, laws, the censorship is sort of for the kids. Yes. I don't think it's not like alcohol prohibition where nobody sort of like everybody was on understood that it was for grownups. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> okay everyone alcohol prohibition is only for grown-ups the kids well, you, you know go crazy I mean? <laughs> uh, the, the other moral panics were are usually sort of framed around like what we're exposing our children to exactly yes. yeah and so i yeah i i fully believe that's where this comes from but it just it, it's yeah it's flying in the face of the fact that kids like draculas <laughs> famously kids love draculas kids do like draculas actually so austin sent me this one um as a as a a really funny anecdote that he thought you might like rory which is that uh there's a there's a writer who ends up being the main writer on tomb of dracula whose name is marv wolfman (laughs) it's fun (laughs) and and that's not even just the 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 most fun part i mean it's hilarious that his name is wolfman like marv wolfman and he's writing dracula but apparently (laughs) <laughs> he wrote for uh, a title called House of Secrets in 1970, and uh, his name was in it. And uh, it says uh, the book. The book introduces the story, the stuff that dreams are made of, as one told to him by a wandering wolfman. And <laughs> they they ta- they flagged his name as a violation of the Comics Code Authority, and they had to be like, no, 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 you guys, Marv Wolfman is this writer's name, and they were like. <laughs> What? <laughs> yeah, it's just really funny to me. So yeah, those are some those are some interesting things to look out for, I guess, uh comics code wise. They've they started making things like uh like I think in a couple of the changes in 1971 it says allowing for the sympathetic depiction of criminal behavior and corruption among public officials as long as it is portrayed as exceptional and the culprit is punished. Uh, so that's kind of fun. We get to show some corruption, but also they got to be punished. It has to be exceptional corruption. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then as well as permitting some criminal activities to kill law enforcement officers and the suggestion, but not portrayal of seduction. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> also vampires, ghouls and werewolves, but no zombies because there's no respected <laughs> book about zombies like there are about vampires. Oh, Mary Shelley, okay. Mary Shelley didn't write no Ghouls. zombie book, so no zombies. <laughs> what? Frankenstein's a zombie. I know. What's the suggestion of suge- of seduction? 
I don't know. What does that mean? <laughs> it means you it means you fade to black. You do the one eyebrow up and you fade to black. Yeah, I guess yeah. It's, it's the suggestion of seduction is the panel that Rory put with Angel and Bobby Drake. <laughs> yes. Yes. They were already yeah. doing it. Yeah. <laughs> it had already happened. We came in after the fact. <laughs> after poor Bobby was seduced by the winged man. <laughs> Do you think he wraps those big wings around him when they sleep at night? Oh, totally. Like a mother hen. Yes. Warm embrace. And I know, I know it, it's, this is, this is an audio <laughs> format. And so like you can check the discord and go to the wall of Shane and see the, the panel that we're talking about. But just in case you don't look at it, I, I, I find it really striking that Angel's wings are so long that the, the, the binding of him to his back doesn't just start, stop at his back or his butt. He's, he's like binding his wings all the way down to his calves. Yeah. Like past that's intense. Calves. Like, yeah. yeah, past his calves. Like this guy has to wear like a full like three piece suit to hide these wings. And those shoulders, am I right? Uh, those shoulders. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Why don't we talk about what we read over the last, you know, since the podcast started? Yeah. I, I think the 60s are a place and a time that I'm excited to leave. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That that's said, put it. that said, I think Shane was mentioning before we started that like you, you were going to put you started writing like a list of things you just remembered and it ended up way longer than you thought. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I here, let me can I just give you like an overview of the list and I yeah, can just read me. words. OK, I will read words from my list. OK, mm-hmm. so I have purple dimension. <laughs> okay. I have soggy Jonathan Badweather. Oh, Jonathan Badweather. Jonathan Badweather, man. I, God, I wrote a little shower <laughs> setup. <laughs> Is, yeah. Uh, I Molten Man. Mm, Teen so Brigade, slippery. Craven sucking down them potions. Uh, potions is a huge note I took. <laughs> the, the Metazoid. <laughs> I got the the Metazoid and the Fantastic Four bathroom scene. Uh huh. Um, <laughs> just all the all the men of Fantastic Four just like hopping in each other's beds and baths. <laughs> just kind of like a like a revolving door of sleep over in my room tonight. That's, that's how it used to be. Okay, but that's how it used to be until they, they started to really. To no, no, listen, listen. I'm talking about how they really started to push like anti-homosexuality in like the 70s, 80s, whatever, when mm-hmm. people got real big into like no homo. And mm-hmm. so suddenly those really intimate moments between men, which isn't really that intimate and is more of a platonic kind of feeling between friends like hanging out in a towel in a locker room two friends is no big deal sure suddenly suddenly it was gay and like doing it in the comfort of your well, own you home should have or two like, towels Oh. <laughs> you need at least just, three towels of protection one. between your junk and someone else's or else just, it's gay just two dudes wrapped in one towel acting like it's fine <laughs> <laughs> but, but i mean you know what i mean like it's not Oh no, that's interesting. I I didn't know. I sort of I sort of when I see images like this of uh, of Bobby and and Warren, I, I hadn't had that context. Uh, to me, I thought that they were sort of trying to to sort of subtly, you know, be a little be a little gay. But you're saying at the time it may have not really been that gay. Yeah, I I don't really think so because I th- like in the like in the 1940s or 50s is whenever they really started to update like the Bible. Right. And they, they took a lot of their um, they took a lot of the translations of the of the actual like Holy Bible and started to kind of morph some of the wording and some of the phrases whenever they printed it again. Mm-hmm. Kind of that post World War Two era. 
And I think that's where a lot of this stuff started to emerge from. So, I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, it's, it's, it's part of the culture that sort of started to spread around. And anyway, yeah. th- that's a whole other, that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> what did you, 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 were you, you weren't done with your list, right? I mean, I not really, but that's that. I think those are the biggest things that stick out to me. The other mm-hmm. other notables are like Inhumans, Goofy yeah. Annihilist, and his and his juice. Oh. Like the Annihilus juice was a whole moment, right? <laughs> the nozzle, <laughs> you idiot! There's a nozzle on the side. I, I always end up talking an absurd amount on this podcast. Rory, what do you remember in the '60s? What's your what was your like favorite shit? I think it's it's been said, but. Um... Tana Nile, Molten Man, yeah. <laughs> uh, are, are up there. I really enjoyed all of the uh, the Rigelian stuff, actually. I got extended yeah. to the sort of middle, like the Repo Men, the Rigelian Repo Men. Oh, who are yes. taking Thor away. <laughs> <laughs> I I really enjoyed the dynamic of Tana Nile being like a junior mm-hmm. conqueror. It's just really <laughs> funny. It's a really funny premise that I wish got to breathe longer. Yeah, totally. She needs to have her own like little comic series. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Where she's just goofy and trying to take over a world. It's literally it's Invader Zim, right? We talked about yeah, that. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. I mean, we we obviously liked Tana Nile a lot. Our January postcard featured her very heavily on our Patreon. <laughs> but yeah, Tana Nile kicked ass. I think some of the things, so if I had to declare a, a, a winner for the 60s of like, like, okay, like if we were going to, if we were going to be like, hey, we just read, God, I don't know. Let me, let me, let me tally this real fast. Like if I, if I include today's, uh, since the beginning of this podcast, we've read roughly 169 issues of comic books from the 60s. And obviously I don't necessarily recommend you read every single one of those issues, but if I was gonna say like one, I'd be like read Spider-Man. I think it was probably the most fun that I had consistently over the course of this whole first like 17, 18 weeks. And I really, really enjoy it. I mean, it's the only one we've read a little bit more than like just a sort of smattering of, um, but I suppose that's not an accident either. Right, right. I think I think we read a fair amount. We read more than enough Fantastic Four to know how much how we feel about that. And I mm-hmm. I could almost say that aside from the Galactus stuff and maybe like the first few issues where we like meet the scrolls, which is kind of funny, and like maybe a couple scattered ones here and there. I don't think that anyone need like the the Doctor Doom stuff, right? Like the I think two the different do- backstories, mm-hmm. <laughs> the two origin stories of Doctor Doom. <laughs> yeah, I think I think the Doctor Doom stuff, the Galactus stuff, like check in on that. It's the inter- intro to, to Silver Surfer and whatnot. But everything else you can kind of just like fucking not do because a it doesn't hold up very well because it's sexist as all get out. And B, it's just not that interesting. And Kirby's mm-hmm. art is great and like old school and kind of fun to look at a lot of the time. But uh, uh- that's something I'm hoping to, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to because I know it's not going to, it's not going to be much better for a while. And even then, uh, it is probably not as progressive as we'd like, uh, you know, uh, mm-hmm. up to recently, up to present. Yeah. But it'll be very nice to not have to give such a long list of qualifiers to, <laughs> I know. to the enjoyment mm-hmm. of these comics. Yes. So, Here's a few things that are on my list that weren't on Shane's list for things that I really loved and remembered. Uh, J. Jonah Jameson tentacle robot. 
<laughs> oh, the Jonah Penguin robot. Hey. <laughs> Uh, I love I love all of the the silly things that of course we we made fun of over over the podcast, but uh, also Thor and the recorder, mm, of yep. course, big, big highlight for me. Thor Thor and the recorder and their sort of like storied romance. Thor and the recorder could absolutely be a standalone or not a standalone, but a, a, a its own it, its own comic line. It's got uh, yeah. it's got good bones. It it's really funny. does. It's kind of it's kind of sexy if you're into recorders. <laughs> yeah, Thor Corder. <laughs> mm, that's my that's my ship. Uh, I really I some of the some of the fondest memories I have of some of the things that we read so far are uh, all of Peter Parker's brooding end panels after he's like made Betty cry oh, and then right. goes yeah. off to think about his life and is like, no, my life is so shitty. <laughs> Why do I do this? Why do I have to be Spider-Man? Yeah, always on the grind. And Black Bolt being uh, being silent and standing still for a full minute before bitch slapping his brother Maximus. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. That's another favorite memory I had. <laughs> now I'm trying to remember how they how they how they sort of like told us was it was like by heartbeats, wasn't it? It was like he he, he counted down. Yeah, whatever 12 it was. Yeah. heartbeats or something like that. Yeah, it was oh my god. Yep. It's so funny because you, you like you read it and then you think like, damn, that's a long time though. <laughs> <laughs> Is no one saying anything? Is they just standing still while he looks at him and then he just hits him in the face. It's so funny. Uh <laughs> <laughs> I really liked the um, the visual narrative, I guess you call it, of uh, with Molten Man, this where he's sort of his clothes are sort of progressively slipping off his <laughs> his, his hot wet body, <laughs> where he's just he starts fully clothed and is nude by the end of the comic. I, it's a fun story. It's a fun little like little thing. Yeah. <laughs> God. I, I want to throw a few genuine good points out to uh, to a few a few story moments. So I really liked uh, just for my own personal taste. I really liked the issue of Spider-Man uh, with Mysterio where he makes Spider-Man thinks he's gone insane. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then pose, poses as the psychiatrist or whatever with the upside down room that he'd built. Uh, some really fun stuff there. I liked Doctor Doom's origin story. I liked um, Galactus's arrival. I really enjoyed. It's like it kind of feels like a real turning point in Marvel, just in general. Where like before that, all of the the aliens and space shit that we read was like goofy, like the scrolls that you know we turn into cows at the end of the issue, or like the Rockmen that Thor interacts with, or you know. And then it feels like space gets like stakes after Galactus in a lot of ways. It feels like it's a real turning point for heroes because they have a realization. They're like, oh, shit, we don't just have to protect Earth. Right. Or yeah. it's it's not just about us on Earth. Like, oh, shit. Yeah. And it really it, it like opened the door for Thor to do more weird space shit, too, because like there's an interest there. You know, he goes off and meets Ego, the living planet and Tana Nile. And like like it mm-hmm. all doesn't really happen until Galactus, I think. That's true. And we haven't talked about it yet, but I really liked that first arc of Captain Marvel. Yeah. The sort of like, you know, servant of two masters feeling where he's like. Yeah. I I, I really I really enjoyed that. I'm not sure I'm enjoying exactly where it's going now, but. uh, That's the yeah, that's kind of the problem. I think part of why we soured on Captain Marvel, even though towards the end, it sort of like started doing new shit again. Um, Mm -hmm. 
it just spent so long rehashing the exact same thing. And it didn't feel like it was really, I mean, we've, we've talked about the comics authority, but like the moral quandary of it all is what makes Captain Marvel without it. He's just a, he's just a dude. He's got, there's no, no interesting like personality or powers or like, I don't know why you read it. If you're not interested in like the, uh, the rock and the hard place that Captain Marvel stuck between feels like the entire story. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it was cool. And now we don't have it. So, you know, so for, for a brief period of time, the original Marvel Captain Marvel was really cool. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of rock and a hard place, I, one of the most notable comics we read was the one where Spider-Man was being crushed by all those rocks. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's right. Do you guys remember that moment? Like that? Yeah. It's the, the, the oft referenced in, in adaptation. Yeah. I always, I always like that moment. So, like they do it in. I'm pretty sure we talked about this in the episode when we read it, but like they do it in Spider-Man: Homecoming. You know, the Vulture collapses a building on him, and then he's got that really that sad scene where Tom Holland's looking at his reflection in the in the water and going, "Come on, Spider-Man! Come on, Spider-Man!" and like pushing himself up. <sighs> yeah, it's a good energy. You know, he feels mm-hmm. like an underdog, and that's kind of why you. That's why you read in a lot of ways. It, you know, and it, it really it shows growth like it shows character growth. Yeah. And they they did it without putting a whole book on the page. Right. It was just they, they did it visually with little to no words. And it is a great moment of Spider-Man. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to I'm going to send you guys a picture. I forgot to send this to you. I'm going to send you a picture I took of one of those uh, those Iron Man issues that I read. It is I turned the page and I wanted to scream because <laughs> you should you look at it right there in the backlog. The amount of text on this page is criminal. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing but text on this page. This oh. is the most egregiously horrible page of, <laughs> of only text with a bit of art peeking through when it can that I've ever seen in my entire life. That's a 20 minute page. That page takes me 20 minutes. I have to read it multiple times. I have to read each panel by itself and take notes panel by panel and then go back and read it as a whole again. Uh, I know we didn't talk about this. Did you prep a fuck, Mary kill today, Shane? Oh, Andrew. <laughs> Andrew, Andrew, Andrew. Of course I did. You silly, silly, silly boy. Welcome, everyone, to our <laughs> final 1960s Fuck, Mary Kill, where you have one in the gun, one in the bum, and one who is the one. Hello. Yes. Welcome. <laughs> Audience applause. Audience applause. Exactly. I, I have prepared today three of my favorite um, characters from the 1960s. I think three of all of our favorite characters from the 1960s mm. who have some sort of molecular change to their body. Oh. And is Molten I, Man on this list, Shane? I just <laughs> need you to know that we have talked about all three of these before. <laughs> um so first off, we have the thing. He he is mm. his molecular structure has been changed. He is a rock, he's a rock boy, right? Yes. Secondly, we have the Silver Surfer, Mm. whose molecular structure has also been changed by those beautiful, beautiful cosmic rays. 
And finally, we have Molten Man. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's kind of like bronze, silver, and gold trophies, though, if I'm, if I'm not... You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, am I wrong? <laughs> I know the thing's no, a little no, bit is. of a stretch, but... but <laughs> It's kind of it kind of has that vibe. <laughs> it, it it definitely has that vibe. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know exactly where this train of thought is leading me, but I don't know how emotionally available Silver Surfer actually is for marriage. What do you say? He spends his whole day laying across his surfboard, brooding. He's not doing anything else. <laughs> Or do you want to just come home after work and there he is draped over the sofa weeping? He's like, hey. <laughs> How was work? <laughs> My day was fine too. I think I think I'm putting a hard line down here. I'm saying marry the thing. And it's because Ben is the is the most fun person out of all of them. <laughs> I would love to spend the rest of my life with Ben Grimm, hands down. The other question is the hardest one: is who do I kill and who do I fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I need time on this. Someone else go. <laughs> Rory, do you have answers? Yeah, oh, I don't know. It's a hard one. Uh, ben and Silver Surfer are both pretty weepy. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, but Ben at least Ben's at least got a good sense of humor. But Silver Surfer, I guess you'd be able to. He's you'd probably easy to prank. But I don't know if I don't know if that's a good reason to marry somebody. <laughs> Marriage how pranks. gullible they are. But <laughs> in tr- I mean, I'm just trying to think of like what would what would the rest of my life with this person be like? Yeah, totally, totally. And it's like, am I going to enjoy teaching Silver Surfer all of the things about like? You know, because he's just a, he's just this sort of, you know, moon man who doesn't have any, any cultural knowledge. Hang on, wait, um, wait, wait. Normally when we talk about fuck, Mary kills, Rory likes to talk about what he gets out of the relationship. <laughs> <laughs> and it's my favorite part of this game. <laughs> no, but it's a, it's a good point. Like, do you want to marry just this like tabula rasa and have to fill it with all of like, it's like a, it's like a job. Like you have to teach yeah. him. You, you become, you become a teacher that he also is married to. Well, he's your very own recorder. <laughs> but he does have that good surfboard. He has a hot, he has a hot car. Yeah. Hot car. What are you thinking, Shane? Um, okay. Well, mine's easy. I honestly oh. have a pretty easy time with this. I know that okay. normally we, normally we do marry Ben Grimm. And I think that's going to stay the same. So I, I do marry, I do marry Ben Grimm. I okay. think he is, he is marryable. We marry him. He's fun. He's literally the person you spend the rest of your life with, right? We've talked mm-hmm. about this. I hands down, without a doubt, very much, um, in proper form to myself, kill the Silver Surfer to put him out of his misery. Done. Um, yeah, I like that. I'm like, yeah, okay. finished. Yep, he, any, and you know me, if you're a weepy boy, I'm going to put you out of your misery. Boom, <laughs> yeah, that's my I favorite just... part about Fuck, Mary Kill is how much Shane doesn't want to deal with sad people. <laughs> Shane's kill is always so much brutaler than mine. I just like, I learned a long time ago that sometimes you just got to, sometimes you got to cut people out of your life. You have to. That's it. And then obviously I, I have 
a super fun day with Slippery Slippery Molten Man. <laughs> I, I think so. You ride the human yeah. slip and slide. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, I think you have to because yeah. you just you just can't you can't fuck Silver Surfer. I mean, no, you can't. He's just going to feel such terrible. A total turn off. Yeah. Like <laughs> a, a, it probably wouldn't be fun even if he's you know very sensual or you know trying to make Fine, you feel just good or whatever. Do it. <laughs> but but it's also like you'd feel you'd feel terrible leaving him in the morning, and he'd be like, "Are you not coming back?" And you'd be like, "No, this was a one time deal." And he'd be like. Oh, and he'd like get back on his board again. <laughs> he'd be like, my loves always leave me. <laughs> Just like my first love, I'll never see this one again. Shalabal! <laughs> Shalabal! <laughs> yeah. No, but I'm I I think so so Rory's the odd man out. I have the same answers as Shane. I gotta I gotta I gotta fuck Molten Man. No, and my kill answers are the same. My answers are the same. Oh, they oh are. God, I guys. thought you were. We all agree. Oh, we all agree. Oh, I thought you were gonna. I thought you were gonna marry Silver Surfer. I maybe had it wrong in my head. No. Well, I was. I was trying to give it. I was trying to see like if there's if there's anything there. But yeah, and he's judgy. I don't like that. <laughs> you know, he's judgy, and he's always bringing computers to life, and I just don't want that. Yeah. <laughs> and he really flies off the handle when he gets mad. <sighs> yeah, he does. So yeah. All right. <laughs> All right, we all we're all in agreement. We're gonna spend we, the rest of our we, lives with the bronze trophy. We have we're all taking home the bronze. <laughs> but I'm most excited about fucking Mortal Man. I just you just don't, yeah. but you just only I think I think that's a ride too dangerous to 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 take every day. Right? It's like you it's like when you meet enjoy. someone who has an Oscar or a Golden Globe and you get to hold it for five seconds. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah, you yeah. and then you put it back. Well, the gold, getting the gold brings too much attention on you, right? Getting the bronze, you still get the attention, but, like, you get to hang out in the back a little bit, you know? I told Pierce I never want to meet LeVar Burton. I just wanted a picture. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Hey, uh, thanks for listening. This has been issue 18 of the Infinite Backlog. Uh, We're done with the 60s. Oh, wait. I know you're doing your sign off, but I just I wanted to say we're 18 now. We're legal, baby. Oh, podcast legal, <laughs> baby. <laughs> well, you know, like we always say, we're legal, baby. And bye. <laughs> bye. Bye. bye.